I'm so excited to welcome you again to another episode of Freshman Minister Digest. By the grace of God, we're going to continue where we stopped last week from Mark chapter 9, verses 29. So we'll continue from Mark chapter 9, verses 30. And we're grateful to God on how He has led us in this series. And tomorrow is Palm Sunday. And like I said earlier, that by the grace of God, from Palm Sunday through to uh, Jesus' resurrection, we're going to be doing a daily podcast so we can see clearly what the last week of Jesus looks like, what he said, what he did, and what his death and resurrection means to us. So permit me to read from Mark chapter 9, from verses 30 to 41. As I pray, and then we go into the study for today. Mark chapter 9, 30 to 41. They went on from there and passed through Galilee. And he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will and when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying, and were afraid to ask. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them, and taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but he who sent me. John said to him, Teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we tried to stop him, because he was not following us. But Jesus said, do not stop him, for no one who does a mighty work in my name will be able soon afterwards to speak evil of me. For the one who is not against us is for us. For truly I say to you, whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because you belong to Christ will by no means lose his reward. May we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to study your word, to sit at your feet that you may speak to us, speak to our heart, and address the major issue that we struggle, helping us to see what really matters in life. As we enter into Passion Week, Lord, help us, O God, that our hearts will be turned from being worldly to, uh, to be uh, mindful of the things of the kingdom that you have already uh, won for us, that we will live a meaningful life to the praise and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ. Amen. 
Last week we saw the mighty confession of Peter through the Spirit about who Jesus is. Peter clearly said, you are the Christ. And of course, we know that is true. But thereafter, we understood that Peter began to rebuke him because Jesus made the first prediction that he's going to be handed over to men. He's going to be killed. And Peter said, far be it from you. And Jesus sharply rebuked him, saying to him, this is satanic. Why? Because Peter... Peter's heart was on the things of men, on the things of the kingdom, not on the things of the kingdom of God. And here is a second prediction about his death. And like we said, Jesus actually knows exactly what is going to happen to him. And we see clearly that this is another section. And if you look from chapter 8, from verse 27, and Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples. So Jesus was on a journey. He is on his way to the cross. And as we enter into Passion, tomorrow we're going to see how he actually headed towards Jerusalem. He was intentional. He was deliberate about his assignment, living purposefully what he has come to do. And he was now trying to open up to the disciples and say, guys, this is my assignment and this is what must happen to me so that he can prepare their heart. But we see the second time they did not understand what he was saying. And clearly we see that their hearts are set on the things of the, this kingdom, on the worldly things. So and that's what we're going to be considering today. Greatness and what really matters in life. Greatness and what really matters. They were discussing greatness on the way. They didn't understand that Jesus was on a journey. He was on his way. To pay the ultimate sacrifice, but they were discussing who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom. They thought it was an earthly kingdom, perhaps they began to argue who is going to be the prime minister, who is going to be this and that. And Jesus kept quiet because his heart was already fixed towards what he has come to do. And clearly, in verses 35 of Mark chapter 9, Jesus showed to us in the way he said it. He is actually the greatest in the kingdom because uh, when he sat down, he called the twelve and he said to them, if anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. Jesus was servant among them, teaching them, providing food for them and bringing, him, bringing them sorry, to himself. He was serving them. He was the servant, therefore the greatest in the kingdom. And this is what they have failed to understand. So verses 36 to 40 shoot us that greatness actually comes from belonging to Jesus. You belong to Jesus, then you are great. He began to talk about little children, you know, and these are people that look insignificant. Throughout this place, you see some contrasts and some lessons from little children, which is key for us to learn. So um, he, he said, whoever received the most insignificant disciple, a child, received God himself. Wow. So if you receive a child in the name of God, uh, you're receiving God himself. Whosoever does the most insignificant act for a, a child receive a certain reward. What is, you know, given a cup of water does not look like a big deal. You can get water from the tap. You can get water from your fridge. It looks so insignificant, but Jesus is saying, this is what I've called you to do, service, you know, to, to, to these little ones. And there is a certain reward for that, actually. And whosoever causes even an insignificant disciple, a child to sin, will be better off dead wow these are critical things that we need to pay attention to while we desire to be great 
And I tell you what, it is useless. Greatness is useless if we end up in hell. And that's exactly what that section in um, verses 44, 46, and 48 says. It talks about what, what does it matter? You're great? No. Cut off your hands. If that is going to make you sing, see, greatness is useless if you end up in hell. That's exactly what you're saying. So he's not telling us to cut off our hands, cut off, remove our eyes and all that. But that is a kind of saying you want to be great, but your greatness will be useless if you end up in hell. Why? Because hell is a terrible place that even mutilating our bodies is preferable than going to hell. It is indescribable. And Jesus had said already that sin comes from our heart. So he's trying to address to them there's a problem in the heart. And this heart, you know, can lead us into this, you know, big trouble. And um, we can't cut that out. And uh, only Jesus, only in his word, only him can actually help us to get this trouble out of our life as much as man cannot help himself so what can be done and jesus is saying and that's why i came and that's why i'm here you know you need to open up your heart to understand that salvation is obtained by receiving jesus and that is why he brought the story of a child and and look with me in to Mark chapter ten, from verses thirteen. Jesus brought uh, a story. Uh, I mean, the story of a, the children were said, and in contrast with the story of the young rich man, you know, and they were bringing children to him, and he might touch that he might touch them. Sorry, and the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, "Let the children come to me. Do not hinder them, for." To such belongs the kingdom of God. And truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on it. That's why we got the doctrine of children dedication and all that. But he said much more than dedication. This is not about child dedication. I'm sorry to say that. But we can actually use a method. That's what church has adopted. What does he say to us in contrast to the following story of this young rich man who came to Jesus? First, let me say a few things about a child. A child is someone who doesn't have much to offer. A child is someone who the best he does in the family is receiving. All of our children, what they do is what they receive. And that's, that is what Jesus is saying. A child only comes to receive. A child only comes to enjoy. A child only come with his weakness, with his simplicity of heart. And that is what Jesus is saying. A child is a weak, a weak, a weak person, is helpless, is needy at all the time. So he's not actually saying to us, uh, I mean, the child, like someone tried to describe that a child has nothing in his head. Yeah, maybe that is from infant, but children were actually being brought to him. That is not the emphasis Jesus is saying. He's talking about receiving at this point. So they, they come with nothing to offer. They come in weakness, they come helpless, they come needy, and that's what they came. But in contrast, the Pharisee, this young ruler who came, though he came in humility because he discovered there is something that he needs in verse 17. What must I do to inherit the kingdom of God? You see, the wrong mindset now has come in. He thought there is something to do to inherit the kingdom of God. He called Jesus good, so he's thinking about himself because when he was asked, you know, let me read verse 8. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know the commandments. 
do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all this I have kept from youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven and come follow me. Disheartening by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possession. Wow. This man is a description of the best of man. He kept the law. These things that were mentioned are difficult to keep, but the man kept it. How do I know? Jesus loved him. He saw his heart. In this aspect of the law, do's and don'ts, the man kept it. But like you, we said in uh, our previous um, podcast, two, two previous podcasts, man cannot help himself, you know, and no amount of washing of hands and ablution can actually help us. Jesus said it's not about what goes in, it's about what comes out. And you see, definitely in verse 22, you see the problem. The man left this heart knowing that he do not have eternal life, but he left anyway. He left sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possession. Jesus pointing at the heart of the problem that the man has. And the heart of the problem is a problem in his heart that though he knew he lacked eternal life, but he can't get in because he came with a mindset he has something to offer. He was rich. He thought he could do good things. Do you see what the gospel is all about? Yes, it's not like we. the man did this. Jesus loved him. So it's a good thing to keep the law. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witnesses. But that is not what earns eternal life. What earns eternal life is like the child who comes with nothing to offer. It's like a child who comes in weakness, in, in helplessness, in neediness, if there's anyone like that, with a simple heart to receive. Then he will get what Jesus has done. Three pictures of how to be great in a cross-shaped kingdom. That is a cross-shaped kingdom. I heard a song that talks about the kingdom of God. It's like an upside-down kingdom. When you lose, you gain. When you die, you live. When you give, you receive. So it's like an upside-down kingdom. It's a cross-shaped kingdom. And that is exactly what Jesus is trying to explain to us about this kingdom. And he explained these three pictures quickly. Let me say that as I try to round up this program. So... Um, serving Jesus' children is what is required. Service, you know, service is what is required. His followers must learn to serve others rather than compete. Stop competing the church. And that's why, see that mentality of spirituality, you know, anointing, you know, the anointed. It's something that we need to be careful. In the kingdom of God, we are all children of God. We don't want to try to measure our spirituality by the number of fasting and hours of prayers that we put in. I don't think that's what matters. What matters is that we are the children of the Most High God through Christ Jesus. So stop competing the church. Stop feeling anointed. You know how to preach. You know, those who um, think about the, the, the gifting that God has given to them. So they, for, for some, their gifting are obvious and they try to compete or they try to show for that is what Jesus is saying. Why are you looking for greatness? What, what really matters is coming to Jesus. And, you know, if you, what really matters is really belonging to Jesus. And greatness is useless if you end up in hell and competition can land someone actually in hell. So watch out for that. So uh, his followers must also be aware of stumbling 
other children sin whatever you do your arrogancy your your competition whatever you want to show that makes someone even the little one in the kingdom to stumble it's a, a, a big thing that we need to watch out we need, need to be aware of that the, the the second thing is receiving like a child i've said that's so i'm summarizing the pharisees contracts um by that of the children you know and also, um, you know, you see, try to lower down the bar in order to help themselves get in, but it's not possible. Not even the best of man that is described in this passage can actually get into the kingdom. So the part in is being served like a child by Jesus himself. You know, no one is good. Even the rich young man is not good. So entering the kingdom is impossible with man, but not with God. You see the big matter? We've preached on these passages, but we don't preach it correctly. If you continue with me, let me read please quickly um, verses 23 downward of um, uh, Mark chapter 10, verse 23 following. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth, who thought they have, who, who, who are full of themselves, who thought they have something to offer to enter into the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go in through the eyes of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man it is impossible, but with God is possible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. You see, we have preached from these passages. We have a team of our year declaration and all kinds of program. It's not about talking about our impossibility. It's about entering the kingdom. For anyone to enter the kingdom by man's power, by man's energy, by man's act of service, it's impossible to get in. It is only possible with God. As much as it looks difficult, and that's why I said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. So it's saying as simple as it is to receive the kingdom as a child, it is possible because it is God's act. It is God's work to get you in. You can't get in by your own self-righteousness, by religious spiritual washing by prayer and fasting you can't get him brother the best of man can't get it we kept seeing how god kept showing to us about we kept opening our eyes to see that man in itself peter that has even the, well, let me use the funny word the gift of prophecy can't even get it until god made it possible for man to get in and peter verse 28 talks about what they have given up to follow him, Jesus said, that truly matters. What matters is giving up all that you have and follow. Then when you read verse 29 um, to 31, you see what really matters, what we're going to get. But you need to give up everything, then follow. Then the kingdom is ours. So what matters is greatness in heaven. See, not like us can only be there if God get us there. Get that clearly. What matters is greatness in heaven. Sinners like us can only be there if God get us in. And the only way is when we receive what he himself has done. Like a child that has nothing to offer. Like a child that is weak. Like a child that is needy. Like a child that is helpless. And as we understand this and apply it to our life, God will help us in Jesus' name. Amen. May we pray. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father, for this wonderful study. Whereas I continue to help us as we do the daily podcast tomorrow being Palm Sunday, that's to enter into the Passion Week, open up our eyes to see better than the disciples, even at their own time, that we may not miss out, that we may understand and live a better life as we teach others through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.